Hey everybody, welcome to the Crush Hail Academy podcast. I am your host, Bob Argyle. So, uh, episode four, this is episode four, can you believe it? Um, <laughs> anyway, so I, I spoke a little bit the past few weeks about me, who I am, what makes me tick, all that happy stuff. And the ironic thing is, it got a little out of control because the whole reason for this podcast has been to speak to a very specific clientele of mine. Um, body shop owners, professionals, uh, insurance adjusters, people that I deal with in my business on a, a day-to-day basis. And if you had listened to one of the earlier episodes, one of the thing I was, things I was talking about was that it's very hard for these folks to find uh, good uh, content and education on our process, on the paintless dent repair industry. They'd be very hard-pressed to find that. So that was kind of the reason why I wanted to start the podcast. The problem with that is I was thinking about it and chuckling the other day. I probably should have named this podcast the Look Squirrel Podcast because that's that's me, man, in a nutshell. Because something will come up, something will happen in my life, and I'll be like, man, that's I don't want to talk about hail today. <laughs> Although I love hail and I love paintless dent repair, and it's allowed me to make a great living for 21 years now. Um I'm not always inspired to talk about hail. So I promised that I would bounce back and forth on a pretty consistent basis. So the listeners that do show up that are looking for uh, good quality content on proper hail management um, will feel like they're in the right place. (laughs) So, and when I talk about my listeners, I want to be honest with everybody right now. I don't have a lot of listeners. <laughs> I really don't. I was thinking about it the other day. I was sitting on Facebook the other night, and uh, one of my friends, uh, a girl I went to high school with, she had made a comment on Facebook about her husband, and it was a funny comment. So I chimed in, and uh, she responded back, and at the end of her comment, she was like, and by the way, I hear you have a podcast. I want to hear about your podcast. And I was horrified. I was like, oh, my God. Somebody's been talking about my podcast because in reality, I hadn't, I've literally, I've not pushed this podcast at all. It's been more of like a personal thing for me. I'm learning to do podcasting. Um, I kind of look at it like I'm working the kinks out. And um, although it's been uploaded to a number of platforms, I haven't really like pushed it. I haven't posted on Facebook or Instagram or anything like that and said, hey, go check out my my podcast because this has all been kind of a process for me. And I move extremely slow in this process. It took me a while to even do one and upload it. And then I struggled with that for like two weeks, had a nervous breakdown. I can't believe I just shared all that. And, you know, you know the story if you've been here since the beginning. So this is another part of the process I'm in right now. Um, it's like therapeutic for me. It's almost like journaling. And I enjoy it, but I haven't pulled that trigger and really pushed it into the marketplace yet. And there's a guy that I that I know that has well over 300 podcasts, and he made an interesting point to me. He said, look, so many people get paralyzed when they're thinking about podcasting or any kind of uh, medium, okay? So... If you're thinking about doing a YouTube channel or if you're thinking about starting a blog site or if you're thinking about podcasting, whatever that might be, Facebook Lives, right? Um, People tend to overthink it. And the problem is that they never end up doing it. 
So pretty much what he had told me is like, look, you got to get to a place where you're okay with the fact that you are going to suck for the first 5, 10, 20, 30 episodes. This man told me it was like 80, episode number 80 before he was like, wow, I think, you know, I think I finally figured this out. I think I finally found my voice. So for anybody out there that's thinking about a podcast, if I can give you, if I, (coughs) excuse me, getting over a cold. If I can give you any kind of advice, don't overthink it. Just share it and understand that it's going to suck. It's just part of the process. Okay. So my commitment that I'm making to my audience, (laughs) to all five of you or 10 of you, whatever it is, is that my commitment, my declare for the week is that I am going to share this on one of my social media sites that it exists. (laughs) Otherwise, aside from the journaling aspect, why the hell am I doing this? So that's something that I have to work through this week. I got to work up the balls to start putting this out there and letting people know that I even have this podcast. Okay, so that's my commitment to you. Hold me accountable, please. So anyways, three weeks now, laying it all out, sharing, probably oversharing <laughs> more than I should have, but it was a great experience for me and um, I enjoy doing this. So I'm going to reel it back in this week and for my eventual listeners, my eventual niche clientele that I'm hoping to reach. Once you finally find out about this podcast, I want there to be some content that applies to you about when I'm meeting with a shop in person. First, what I do is I talk to them about the problem. What problems surround your business when you begin to think about partnering with a company like mine? Okay. What are the issues that you deal with? What are your challenges? Right. After we've identified that, we move into the next part of the conversation, which is the possibility. So we've identified the problems. If you were to find a company that was a good fit for you, what would that look like? What could that look like for your business? What could it do for your business? Right. So after we've identified the possibility, We then move into what I call the path. And the path is basically the system that we've created that we can plug into body shops after a hailstorm has come through their community that allows them to effectively manage that hailstorm, that high volume hailstorm. Keep in mind, a hailstorm has the potential to drop hundreds, if not thousands of vehicles on a body shop's property very quickly. So for shops that aren't prepared, if shop, for shops that haven't planned for this, um, it, can, it can suck. It can really suck, all right? And I've seen a lot of guys lose their hair. Look at me, I don't have any. So it's what it does to you, all right? It's a stressful situation. So we talk about what that system looks like that we've created, that we built. And then after that, We move into what I call the path, which is basically we have a conversation about whether or not we are a fit to work together. Whether or not um, they use us or not, this information is going to help them at least have a more informed conversation with their company, with their local guy. 
All right. So this week we'll talk about the problem. So what is the problem that body shops have when trying to identify the right company to work with? All right. The problem that I've identified is that they basically have two options. A body shop can work with the local guy, the local dent guy in their community that comes around and services them on a fairly regular basis, or they can work with a national company, okay? National broker, whatever you want to call them, okay? We tend to call them brokers in the business. Those are their two only options, really. So what are some of the benefits of working with the local guy? And keep in mind, local guys, um, I'm, I'm partial to local guys. I know just about every dent guy in the state of New York. I've worked with them in some form or another over the years. Um, it's how I started. So I'm partial to dent guys. All right, so I'm not here. This isn't about slamming either of these options. This is about laying them out in an informed way. So the local guy, number one. They are going to be highly skilled. Local guys up here, especially speaking for New York State, many, many of them have been in this business for over 20 years, like me. And they're, they're artists. They are true craftsmen in their trade. So for a body shop, that is a big plus. If you're considering working with the local guy or the national company, you know what you got right? You know the skill level of the technician that you have. Secondly, is there's probably a very good relationship there. You've been working with them for years. You trust them. There's mutual trust there. You know who they are. You know what makes them tick. So you're comfortable, right? You're comfortable working with them. And I'm going to apologize right now. <coughs> I'm getting over a cold. So I'm going to try not to cough and gag into the microphone. Okay, so those are two benefits of working with the, the local paintless dent repair technician. Now, what are some of the drawbacks? Well, first, and I could speak to this because this was what I used to do. Most local paintless dent repair guys are going to gravitate towards the dealerships. In non-hail situations, um, i.e. the rest of the year, besides hail season, technicians need to get out on the road and they need to make their money on a weekly basis. So they have stops. They have dealerships and some body shops that they stop into on a weekly basis to check on them and uh, fix any cars that they have. The thing is with dealerships is dealerships tend to buy a lot more cars. Um, they're flipping their inventory at a consistent rate. So it wasn't out of the ordinary for a dealership to call me or for me to stop into a dealership back in the day, and they'd be like, oh yeah, I just went to the auction, I bought 15 cars, and there's literally like $1,000 to $2,000 worth of work on that lot. And it's a fairly consistent thing. So I would stop at these dealers on a regular basis because they always had work for me. So it was more profitable for me to focus on the dealerships where body shops tend to be more specialized. I service only body shops these days and a body shop will call and they'll be like, man, um, I've got a dent in a blend panel. I don't want to get into it. Um, can you just come in and fix this dent? So I'll go, I'll drive to the shop. Um, could be anywhere between Syracuse, New York 
and Albany or Plattsburgh or Buffalo or Binghamton or Jamestown. I get in the car, I drive to that shop, and I take care of that one or two jobs for them. Okay, so you got to get creative when you're servicing only body shops. So knowing what you know now about these two clients of Dent Guys, now put yourself in a hail situation. Hailstorm just came through town. All right, smoked cars all over town. Where do you think that paintless dent repair guy is going to go when his phone is ringing off the hook? Everybody needs him there right now. All his clients, body shops, dealerships, wherever. Where do you think he's going to go? He's probably going to go to his best client, right? So what that does is it leaves, unfortunately, it leaves a body shop in a position of wondering if he is his dent guy's number one priority, right? So that's a challenge. So I tell a lot of shops when I'm stopping in and talking to them, look, whether you want to deal with us or not, what I would recommend is that you have a conversation with your current provider and just ask them flat out, if we got a hailstorm tomorrow, am I going to be your priority? All right, maybe get it in writing. It's kind of like an insurance policy. Okay, these are conversations that you need to have prior to the storm rolling through. Another issue that I used to deal with personally quite a bit was staffing problems. Back before I was part of DentSmart, I lacked a lot of the systems and a lot of the processes needed to be able to effectively manage a hailstorm. I was very focused on quality. So I knew I could fix the cars at a very high level. But I wasn't always doing everything I probably should have been for that body shop. Things like estimating, uh, supplementing, scheduling, following up with customers that came in for an estimate to try to bring them into the shop for the actual repairs. You get that a lot in the business. You get shoppers. You get a hailstorm that comes in and smokes a town. Next thing you know, you got people driving to four or five different shops trying to get the best estimate. So you need to follow up with these customers and let them know that we're serious about getting you back here, right? We really want your business. Marketing initiatives. What are you bringing to the table as far as uh, radio advertisements and Facebook advertisements, things like that, email campaigns, stuff like that, okay? So... A lot of local guys don't really think about that. They aren't thinking about hail damage full time. They're reactive. They're reactionary. They wait for the hail to hit, and then they basically just call in a bunch of buddies, right? Which is another issue that I used to deal with. Calling in my friends to come in. Highly skilled, good guys, uh, people that I've known for quite some time. The problem with calling them in, though, is they all come from different parts of the country and they all bring their own ideas, their own philosophies. So what I would hear a lot is, oh, Bob, that's cute, but this is how you should do it. Or, Bob, I'm sorry you told your body shop that, but this is how you're supposed to do it. And it's the thing is that I used to tell them is it's not a matter of right or wrong. We can have different philosophies on how we're supposed to manage this storm. All right, but what has been communicated to the body shop? That's what matters. 
And a lot of times there was internal conflict. I would deal with this conflict all the time because I would tell my shop one thing and then I'd call in my friends and they would want to do it their way. So these are all things that you need to consider, right? Another issue with calling in techs from out of state, the local guy might be your guy, right? That you have a relationship with, that you trust, that you've worked with for years. But what happens when he calls in guys from all over the country? Not only is the messaging all over the, the place, but there's very little vested interest in that community. They're visitors to this community. They are not staying in this community. Okay. So I had a guy a few years back. We had a storm in Syracuse. And this was before I was uh, part of DentSmart. This was before I had a lot of the, the tools and the, the systems in place. Um, this was when I was still putting a lot of the, the focus on just pure quality. Okay. So if we had a storm come through and I was staffing it, I was always trying to get the best technician I could get into my shop. So I could look at my shops and be like, I got you this 20 year dent guy. He's amazing. And he can fix awesome dents. He can do great work. You're going to be tickled pink with him. So that was still where I was back in the day, as far as how I looked at hail management. So we had the storm come through. This was a shop that I had dealt with for years. They were a year-round client. I think they had already been with us for two other hailstorms prior to that. So this wasn't their first rodeo. And I did what I always did. I put a tech in there. It was a tech that I had known for years. And as far as quality goes, I mean, this guy was a witch. He was a witch. The stuff this guy was fixing had no business being fixed through our process. He was fixing stuff that should have been you know, conventionally repaired. He was fixing this stuff through paintless dent repair. And he was just one of the one percenters, really, in my opinion, as far as talent. So I felt pretty strong about having him in that shop. And it was one of my best shops. So what I would do is I would always get the shop staffed, right? And then I would bounce around, putting fires out all over the place. So I had this fellow in there. And I was up the road working at another shop. And I get a call from the, this was like a day later. I get a call from the shop and they're like, Bob, uh, you got to get down here. Um, this guy's, I don't think this guy's a fit for us. I was like, what do you mean? You know, he's unbelievable tech. He's best tech ever. No, nah, you just better get down here. So I finished up what I was doing, hopped in the car, drove down there. I get to the shop and this technician had this shop owner so worked up, he had himself locked in his office in the body shop. So I walk in, I talk to the receptionist. I'm like, what's going on? She starts to tell me how this guy's just kind of out there doing his own thing. He doesn't want to follow the way that we had always done it for this client, the way this client expected us to do it. So I walk out there. I, I figured I wouldn't bother the owner. I was going to walk out, talk to the tech, try to get to the bottom of it. So... I get out there and first thing I noticed was he was writing estimates on his own software, which is a big no-no. If you're coming into my area, if you're working for me, I expect one of the one of the many things that I expect is that you're going to write an estimate off our estimating software. Okay? It confuses the customer. That's all it's about. 
I don't need the body shop seeing if I got five techs in a shop, I don't need them seeing five different estimates coming from their own estimating software, which is basically in their own company name, right? So that was the first thing I identified. I was like, what are you doing, man? You know, you, this isn't the first time you've worked for me. You know how this works. You're not writing on my paper. So we worked through that one. Then I started taking a closer look at the actual estimates that he was writing and they were off the chart. I mean, they were just crazy. He had numerous, uh, for people that aren't in the business, it probably won't make any sense to you, but he had numerous upcharges on the panels that he was writing to fix. Okay. And it was unneeded stuff. He was getting cute. He was getting greedy with the estimates. So I called him out on it. And the dude had the balls to, number one, stick his finger up in my face and then shush me. And he proceeded to tell me that he has a limited amount of time to make his living. And, you know, he doesn't care about the insurance adjusters in that shop. That it's, you know, the insurance adjusters basically aren't his problem. They're mine. He's there to just fix cars and he's going to make his money or he's going to leave. So I let him finish his little rant and then I took him up on his offer and he looked at me like I was nuts. He's like, what do you mean? You're going to let me go? I was like, yeah, you know, you're a great tech. I get that. But you know what? Here with our company, it's about the system. It's about the process. It's about following uh, the guidelines that I've put in place. This is my company, not yours. So we packed up and he left and we got another couple techs in there Um. I got the owner talked down off the ledge. We finished out the, the summer there. It was actually our most profitable shop. Um, and they remain a client to this day. But the thing is this, he had zero vested interest in my area. He didn't care about the, the hit my reputation was going to take. He didn't care about the position he was putting my body shop client in with their insurance partnerships that that shop had worked years and years and years to form, okay? So if we get a tech in the back of that shop going sideways and the insurance company comes in, they're looking at that body shop owner and they're saying, these estimates, you're gouging us. These estimates aren't correct. So it doesn't affect that technician. It affects the body shop and it affects the PDR company. He was just a subcontractor working for me, but he had zero vested interest. So he didn't care. And he had no problem telling me that he was done. So these things, these are some of the issues that you get with these, with the local guy. When you do go all in on the local guy, great guy, very talented, but you need to identify whether you're going to be his number one priority. Who is he bringing in? Right. Um, are the texts that he's calling in on his short list, are they going to be a good fit? for your shop. Um, are they, have they been talked to about what the body shop expects showing up on time in the morning, working a full day, not smoking on the property, not smelling like booze when you walk in in the morning. These are all things, these are things that happen in our industry, unfortunately. So going all in with the local guy is going to create some challenges. The only other real option that the local guy is going to have, if he doesn't want to staff him himself, is he might reach out to one of these national brokers and just say, hey, I want you to come in and handle my, my work for me, which is okay. But again, these national brokers 
and the local guys all work off the same phone book. There's only so many PDR techs in the business. So you might have a local guy and a national broker that have both used the same guy. So what it comes down to is no matter who you use, there's really no vested interest in your community. So the national guys come in, moving on. So we'll move on to the national guy. Probably has better systems. I've seen some of these national companies come rolling into town, and it's impressive, man. They come in with these shrink-wrapped 18-wheelers. Uh, High-pressure sales team comes in, wearing the company colors, nice khakis. Um, they're there to sell. That's what they do. They want to lock up as many shops as they can. So it looks like this big, massive operation coming in. All right, But more times than not, it's one guy who's coming in, and then He's selling the business, he's getting the contract, and then he's moving on. And he's leaving his buddies behind with no vested interest. Because they're all using the same techs. Another thing is, is with these national companies, they're covering the entire country. So whereas the local guy is only working on that local storm in that community, these national companies are landing gigs all around the country. So a lot of times you get this whole grass is greener mentality. You get the techs that come in, they start the storm with you, but they're hearing from their buddies who are sitting out in the other part of the country on a better job or a better gig. So they're already thinking about getting the hell out of there. So you, you don't get the follow through from the national companies. You don't get the vested interest in the community. You don't get the follow through. You don't get the support. You don't get the management structure. So you have... From Those are like the two options, really, other than our option, which I'll talk about in another episode. But they all work off the same phone book of techs, um, no vested interest, no management structure, very little accountability. And this all creates friction for the body shop and for the body shop's insurance relationships. We worked at a shop a couple years ago, and uh, we have a good working relationship with a uh, local insurance company in New York state. So usually what happens is if a storm hits somewhere in the state, they call and they bring us in because they trust us and they want us to write the cars. We've just got a good working relationship with them. Well, those same relationships exist with the big national insurance companies. So we knew we were going into this shop. It was a big shop. It was a, a chain shop. There was like 27 locations throughout the state. We knew that we were going in there initially and we were going to be sharing the shop. And when I say sharing the shop, we knew it was going to be us in there and it was going to be another company in there from out of state, all vying for the same work. So we kind of knew what we were walking into, but here's the thing. It took us about three weeks and that other company was let go because Geico had brought in this national company, quote unquote, national company. And the problem is they were all foreign workers and the body shop couldn't understand them. They, they didn't speak English. So finally, the body shop is having a great experience with us, right? And we're helping them through the process. We're taking care of a lot of the admin stuff. We're doing great repairs. It was only a matter of time before they came over to us and they said, look, you guys are so much easier to work with. Uh, we can't even understand these guys over there. So we're just going to start using you guys exclusively. And it's just what happens. 
All right, the customer service goes way down with these national companies. So that's as a body shop, that's those are your choices. Local guy, it's got its benefits, got its drawbacks. National company, it's got its benefits, it's got its drawbacks. But to put them both in the same bucket, this is what we can say about both options. Both deploy a reactive approach, right? Neither of these two are taking time to sit down with you prior to a storm and build a relationship and have good substantive conversation about how you're going to handle this if and when a hailstorm strikes your community, right? Both of them tend to be dealer focused. If they can go to a dealership in a hail event and work on 400 cars as opposed to working at your shop with... 75 to 100 cars, they're going to go to the dealership. They both provide inconsistent messaging because they're both working off the same phone book of technicians who are out-of-state technicians. They both provide like an inconsistent process because everybody's coming in with their own philosophies. Everybody has their own idea about how this whole thing is supposed to work. Because they're working off the same phone book, both provide less vested interest which can hurt your insurance relationships, which is also going to hurt your customer retention, and it's also going to hurt your customer acquisition. Both of them can, okay? I'm not saying they will. I'm just saying they have the potential to. In a hail event where you've got thousands of cars in your community that are damaged with hail and everybody wants their car fixed yesterday, if you have the right process and the right system in place when every other shop in town is scattering, interviewing companies, making sure everybody has their paper paperwork, making sure everybody is a, you know, a citizen, making sure these employees are actually citizens of the U.S. so you're not going to get in trouble with that, making sure they got their visas, all this stuff, okay? When everybody else is dealing with that, you have plugged in your system, you've taken the governor off, you've gotten back to your core business, right? And now... The chaos that's around you is going to bring in new customers, right? They're going to get tired of dealing with the chaos at the other stores, and they're going to naturally gravitate to you. So it's a great customer acquisition tool for you, okay? Both of these options provide uh, really a lack of a true partnership, any kind of pre-training. It's more of a short game versus the long game. All right, so these guys want to come in, they want to make a ton of money really quick, and then they want to move on. As opposed to the long game mentality, somebody like us who's a hybrid, okay, locally owned and operated franchise-based system. So we have the local roots here in New York State, but we have the national support of a vested system of technicians, all right, we house our own technicians we train our own technicians, and we police our own technicians. All right, so we give you the best of both worlds. That's the hybrid model that we'll talk about a little more in the coming weeks, okay? So that's it for this week. I appreciate you joining me for my first ever episode where I actually talked about hail damage. So I would ask you if you did enjoy this, if you have any, uh, if you have any friends, family, anybody that might connect with this message, this podcast, I'd ask that you share it up. Also, for body shops, 
and insurance professionals that might find this podcast, you can always go to my blog site at robertargyle.com where I have a number of articles on there that speak specifically to you uh, to help you along in this journey as you're learning more about paintless dent repair and hail management. So you can always go to robertargyle.com. And uh, another cool thing that we just set up that I'm going to be rolling out, um, Robert E. Argyle is my Facebook page, The Real Robert Argyle. That is... uh, I got my personal Facebook page and then I got this Facebook page that I'm just starting to kind of build out that's going to have video content of interviews with body shops that have used us, video testimonials, um, uh, webinars, uh, Facebook Live, stuff like that, speaking specifically to hail management. So that's pretty cool. That's coming along as well. All right. So I appreciate you joining us. Thank you again for listening to the Crush Hail Academy podcast. I'm your host, Bob Argyle, and we will talk to you next week. Thanks. We'll